course, it's half past the hour of eight, so it's time for politics this morning. And joined by my usual team of John Moore and Dr. Phil Ferguson, and today we have Jill Moore, John's mum, who um, was was a health worker, uh, feminist activist, and uh, helped set up the first woman's refuge in Dunedin. So automatically, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely marvellous. So it's a pleasure having you here this morning, Jill. I hope you um, have a have a good experience. Thank you. Yeah. Right, we're going to kick it off with uh, Labour and the Greens continuously uh, making announcements. They've made another one, a joint budget responsibility uh, rules. Um, now, it kind of makes sense to me that they've released this. Um, Labour's not going to win outright. Uh, you need They'll need the Greens, of course. Um, they, that's just the way it is now. And voters need to know what a Green-Labour coalition is going to look like. And let's be honest, a lot of centralists out there are worried about the Greens having the purse strings. And if they're anything like this Green... Uh, they should be worried. <laughs> Indeed. No, I, uh, so Labour and the Greens have put out a joint budget responsibility rules framework. That's a bit of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically it's a, it's a set of guidelines of how Labour and Greens would act if they were both part of a, of a government. And I think this is a real vote winner yeah. for them for a number of reasons. It shows them to be fiscally conservative. Uh, so it puts them economically really aligned with the current national government. So there's a, it's showing the electorate and business interests, for example, that there's, in economic terms there's not a huge difference uh, between Labour and the Greens versus national. So that sort of uh, it undercuts the, the attacks we've seen from the right on Labour. Labour and the Greens, you know, from um, mm-hmm. say Business New Zealand, from bloggers yep. like David Farah, etc. And it's interesting that um, those who have come out most in support of this joint statement by Labour and Greens are people on the right. So um, David Farah, for example, from Kiwi Blogs, has said that he's delighted with this announcement between the, the Greens and Labour. Mm-hmm. Um, Former Reserve Bank economist uh, Michael Riddle has blogged that uh, he also uh, is in favour or is, um, sees this as operating within the uh, within orthodox economic management uh, discourse, if you like. So again, he's, he's basically indicating that this, this, he's in favour of this platform from um, the Greens and Labour. Where criticisms are coming are from uh, firmly from the left and the far left. So we've got Sue Bradford who has come out very strongly against this position, Lila Hari, and interestingly the CTU. Um, oh. Which which is the big deal, really? Yeah. I think so. Richard Wagstaff of the CTU mm-hmm. has criticised this, saying that he feels it will limit the ability of Labour, a Labour Green government, to carry out the type of policies that it's actually saying it's going to implement. You know, increases of spending and housing and education and health. That um, placing limits on uh, that only thirty percent of GDP could be spent by the government, or that would be the aim, would not allow Labour and the Greens to actually carry out carrying out. The policies that they're promising they're going to. Well, I mean, 30% has been the average over the last 20 years. Lately, it's been more like 35%. Mm. Um, but you've got to look at the last Labour government that were pulling in nice surpluses and spending around 30%, and they were sitting at the 30% mark. So, mm. I mean, it can be done. Um, National will strip the hell out of education and health and, and whatnot, and saw th- spending 34% but putting money in elsewhere. So, I mean, can't Labour just reverse what National is basically doing, taking more money away uh, from the whole trickle down and, and whatnot and put that money in areas they see uh, there's a real need to put the money into. I 
think Labor's key concern, though, isn't actually you know, getting rid of poverty or having the best possible health services or the best possible education services. It's getting elected by ensuring that business is on Labor's side and reassuring business that their interests aren't going to be tampered with in any way, shape or form by Labour and now the Greens have signed up or the leadership of the Green Party has signed up um, to that as well. And I think it's kind of interesting the way politics has gone over the last, um, say, 20 years where in 2008, in order to get elected, they ha National had to get rid of um, Don Brash and Key had to reposition National as Labour light and now in order to get elected Little and Ardern are positioning Labour as National light you know, mm -hmm. so National kept working something like working for families and Labour is keeping you know, National's um, fiscal responsibility although like the previous Clark government did as well and I think both that Clark government and now what Labour is saying with this statement and with lots of other things as well is we're not going to tamper with the existing economic arrangements. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be our framework. And within that, if we can give a little bit more money to health or education or to you know, poor people, we will. But we're not going to do what is actually necessary yeah. to solve the problems in those sectors. Yeah, well, I mean, National's been living on these surpluses that they've been they've been getting uh, at the cost of the national debt. Let's be honest, uh, and Nash and Labour has pushed that had pushed out that uh, whole thing the whole time, saying, "Look at the debt, look at the debt." But no one wanted to look at the debt; they all just looked at the surplus. So, I mean, do they really have a choice if they if they want to get in? And you know. Um, do you think that they'll stick to the status quo if they do? You know, will they, will they have to, uh, if, if for fear of for losing their job at the next election? I think if, if Labour and the, the Greens get in, then they will stick to the steel. Uh, that would be my prediction, um, and because it will be, it will show that it is a vote winner. Um, I think it's interesting thinking about who is, who are the Labour and Greens aiming at, and I think definitely they want to shore up uh, support as much support as they can get from business. Um, However, I, I think the general population has also internalised those sort of pro-business sentiments yep. that, uh, you know, since the 80s, the, the idea of, of, of big government has been out of favour. So since the, the Muldoon government was voted out of power in um, New Zealand and with the rise of Thatcher in Britain and the rise of Reagan in America and followed on from, by Clinton, it, it was seen that big government is dead. And although there was actual hostility at the time to those sort of what, what are called at times um, new right or neoliberal reforms, I think people have actually internalised that and in a sense we're all, I say this ironically, but we're all fiscal conservatives now. Mm -hmm. That people can't, even if they want um, a whole lot of uh, nice social welfare policies and free education, etc., within their own mind they just can't see they don't have the imagination to go beyond uh the possibility of o operating within sort of orthodox economic frameworks at the moment and that's why i think even parties of the so-called left like labor and greens uh, uh, are having to show that um yes we're fiscal conservatives as well and mm. proud of it
I think we're selfish, to be honest, as a society, and we're only looking after our own bank accounts for the most part. And yeah, we've become more atomized and yeah. selfish as a society. We don't know our neighbours anymore, but that wasn't so we always, don't care that, about that. That wasn't always the case. No. And the sort of rise of anti-establishment politics show that there's a, although people have internalised that sort of neoliberal ideology, at the same time, there's a deep sense of dissatisfaction with how the world economy and national economies are being mm -hmm. run and how governments are being run. But people don't really see a, a way out of the current framework, the current paradigm that exists. And I think if, if you look at uh, polls that are taken, or even when reporters go out on the street and talk about budgets and, and what people would prefer, you generally find that far more people would prefer to pay a bit more tax in order to have mm -hmm. better so, um, social services. You know, like hardly anybody says, "Oh, I don't want to pay pay any tax," or what, you know. So I don't think they've completely succeeded in turning around those old, more communalist type attitudes. Um, I think that the the dominant economic paradigm very much as you know like completely within a capitalist economic framework but i i don't think they've completely destroyed people's sense of social solidarity and mm. even key you know about five or six years ago didn't he make the comment that people in new zealand are basically socialists i mean i don't think he knows what mm. socialism is <laughs> and i don't i don't i don't think i don't think his comment was actually correct yeah but there was something that he was pointing to. It wasn't actually socialism, but it was a sense of some kind of communalism or caring yeah. about other people. And, yeah, try as, as they might, that new right period, and I think the, the dominance of, of neoliberalism actually came to an end in about the mid-90s in New Zealand, and they've been, so. they've been struggling to, to replace it with something. So they haven't rolled back the neoliberal reforms but they haven't deepened them they haven't mm. steamrolled ahead with them um, so people accept you know the, the existing economic order is, is the framework and they can't think outside that which I think is a really serious problem if you're interested in solving poverty and all the other you know problems that beset New Zealand society but um, there is still quite a strong sense of of communalism, if you scratch the surface a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Well, so, I mean, it's it's a for the most part. I mean, it's something that they need to do. So they need to come out with this because they need to show the voters out there what a green and um, green Labour government will look like. Of course, the danger though is that uh, uh, as the, the the difference between the, the two main blocks, the Labour Green Bloc and the National and its potential coalition partners, as that difference decreases, and I think with the statement from Labour and Greens uh, that they're showing to the electorate that the differences between the two blocks isn't that great. Yeah. People become more disillusional about politics, uh, less people vote, uh, especially we've got that large group of young people, you know, say in their uh, late teens and twenties who, who uh, increasingly aren't voting at mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. uh, aren't showing any interest in politics. And I think, although, yes, Labour and the Greens might win more of the so-called middle ground, and, and, and I think this is a vote winner overall, 
I think it will have a negative impact on politics as a whole yeah. and turn people off politics more. And and then you suddenly have demagogues like uh, like Trump and uh, an American Nigel Farage in um, Britain who pop up and say, hey, th- this whole uh, democracy thing is a scam. <laughs> the major political parties are contorts uh, with each other, uh, operating within a pro-business, pro-establishment, economic and political framework, and we need something really radical to shake up the system. And so that, that's that's the danger mm-hmm. when when parties like Labour and the Greens don't tap into their anti-establishment zeitgeist, which is happening throughout the world. And and so yes, let's uh, watch out for our own Donald Trump to pump up to pop yeah, up e- anytime e- soon. Even when you get into that, approved in America that um, you know there's still enough conservatives out there and enough lazy liberals uh, for the conservatives to get on anyway. Um, hmm. Uh, and and but that that that's why they go in a conservative way because the people that vote are, are in their you know fifties sixties seventies and they're the business leaders and you know the homeowners mm. and whatnot and they're protection you know they're protecting their own backyard. Yeah. Although I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call Trump a conservative and I wouldn't call Nigel no. Farage a conservative. I think they're in many ways they're, they're radical populists um, and. The failure of both so-called conservative parties and liberal or social democratic parties to to present anything bold and original to the electorate is leading to a rise of these radical figures on the right. And in New Zealand now, I mean, we have a whole section of the population that's basically disenfranchised. Like, the number of people who don't vote um, is growing uh, considerably, and there might be one election where it goes up a wee bit, but mm-hmm. this, the overall the secular trend is definitely downwards. Yeah, and it's people who are poor and who are economically disenfranchised, and now they're politically disenfranchised, and it's young people. Um, and I don't see that changing in the future. And I think you know the the fact that there's you know barely the width of a sixpence between in terms of differences between the two main electoral blocks is, is just going to further that. But I think that points to the need that, you know, we need some completely new um, political force mm-hmm. that is actually going to speak to those people. I think this particular statement also is an indication that Labour doesn't really give a shit about the working class. This is aimed at the middle class, yeah. you know, and that's increasingly Labour's electoral base. And so there's... What they're going to do for the for the working class, if they get in, I don't think they will get in, but they'll probably get in in 2020 because National out of sheer exhaustion on the part of of, of National. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing on yeah. offer to workers. No, well, that's what the Mana Party was going to be, right? If you're talking about that, <laughs> you know, was was going to be. But the thing is that yeah. you're not going to get young people to vote, Phil, if you're going to use uh, words like sixpence because they don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <aren't we? laughs> I was going to say a five. I should have said a five cent piece, and then I thought, no, that's actually a bit. Uh, that's a bit out of date as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a generational thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, wait, let's uh, let's move to e-cigarettes. Um, right, Jill, you work in the health system. Uh, you've been as you said before, you're a health worker, um, you worked as a nurse, uh, amongst other um, ways. So you would have seen the um, the impact that cigarettes has on the people's health, on um, the country. Um, and so they're bringing in these e-cigarettes um, that don't contain any of the tar, uh, any of the, the multitude of chemicals that are inside a tailor, uh, tailor-made cigarette. Um, so surely um, it's got to be good. Yes, um, it, it is something that I'm interested in and having worked in the health sector for 
oh, 40 plus years, mainly with mothers and mm-hmm. babies at Queen Mary Hospital and latterly... Might have at, worked with me. Yeah, I might have. And then <laughs> at um, Plunkett. So, of course, I, you know, I was a smoker myself back in the um, 60s, late mm-hmm. 50s, and I do know how hard it is to break that habit. I wasn't even a big smoker. I only smoked maybe 10 a week. Yeah, oh, that's not much. That's not much. And I found it very, very difficult to give up. So I have an empathy for people that are smoking, and Thank I you. see it, and I don't like it, but I think, well, it is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at Plunkett, I worked with a lot of... Um, teenage mothers who were smokers and of course smoking was part of their social group they did it all together they did go outside and they took their babies out and they smoked and of course we have secondhand smoke Mm -hmm. so part of our education was to assist these mothers to um, take up the stop smoking programs we had people that were trained within Plunkett to assist these mothers to do that. Um, so we were talking about patches, nicotine gum, mm-hmm. and just the general things about being careful around their children. That was yep. the big one. And, of course, that was always a good factor to get on and to say you could affect your child's life yeah, yeah, as yeah. well as your own. So, um, and, of course, vaping wasn't in then. Yeah. So had it been in... Um, I think it would have been a good thing because, you know, I think it would have been easier than trying to go through the stopping smoking process. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I will tell you a story. My brother, who died a year ago, May, a year ago, he had mental health issues. Now, a lot of people with mental health issues smoke. Yeah. Why do they smoke? It calms them down. They're doing it with a group of other people. It's a very social event mm-hmm. and it's very hard to break. Um, so he was a very heavy smoker and he had cancer. He ended up with cancer. And he chose not to have chemotherapy um, and he chose to can stop smoking for six weeks and back he was again yeah. because the addiction was so strong. So he went back to smoking and then I'd go and visit him and say, well, I stopped this morning and you'd go the next day. Oh, but I started yesterday afternoon. It was an ongoing thing. We had actually discussed as a family um, getting him an e-cigarette. However, we looked into the you know, the whole thing and it wasn't legal to do that. And because yeah. it would have been probably fine if he'd been in his own home, but he lived in a Salvation Army hostel and then he went to have palliative care and a rest home so of course he couldn't do that yeah yeah so yeah, he yeah. no matter what even when he was dying the day he was dying he hopped on his little motor scooter what do you call them you know mobility scooter, scooter yeah. went outside and had a cigarette so that was the pull of cigarettes so i'm i am all for yeah um, any tool any really. tool to assist people. Yeah. I mean, people talk about the fact that, you know, you're still getting nicotine, so you're still having that addictive thing, you're still going to be addicted to it, yeah. but you're not getting the things that kill you. The really. nasty things. Yeah, the nicotine's not the thing that's going to your lungs and killing no. you. Um, you know, that's just the, the thing keeping you hooked. Um, and one would imagine, um, you know, I, I, I don't know... Um, what the effects would be in terms of getting uh, lung rejuvenation because I know, you know, it only takes a few days after quitting smoking and you start feeling the effects and I don't know um, if the intake of of the vape would um, 
bring you back, bring your lung health back quicker, or if that would still affect your lung health a little bit, because you are still inhaling some uh, a foreign body. Yes, yes. Yeah. And of course, we'll have to rely on research. Yes. And we'll, we may have to wait twenty years. <laughs> Probably will. Well, that's the thing, because you do have to look at you know you can't go oh yeah well we've looked at it for a year we see the years effect so that's exactly what it's going to be in forty years time yeah. if someone's doing it for forty years, but um. What do, you, what do you think about the fact uh, around the rules relaxing it for advertising so they can advertise e-cigarettes and the nicotine uh, in them? Um, you know, is, is, will that have a detrimental effect on children, perhaps, uh, looking at these? Because they're still going to be glamorised, perhaps, in the mm. way that cigarettes are, and so they are still going to be taking up something that is addictive. Do you think maybe... Because they are keeping some of the rules for cigarettes, for e-cigarettes, in terms of you can't smoke it indoors at a restaurant or anything like that. It's going to be outside. Do you think they should follow the whole cigarette rules in terms of um, advertising? Advertising. Well, I agree with you. I think maybe if you advertise it, it might become quite a glam thing Mm -hmm. for young people to do. Do we really want them to be doing that? I I would say no. Um, But I do believe that uh, within the health sector... Everyone should come on board, yeah. and they should be promoting this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, even if they don't believe in cigarettes. Yeah. They need to be supporting and helping people in the community who right. have an addiction oh. to cigarettes. I've got my cigarette sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's been, you know, I'm, only, I'm 35 and I've been smoking for 20 years. Yeah, so. I, I don't know how I feel about sitting in a restaurant with someone with a vape because there's huge clouds of steam that come off. I I've actually think I'd find it a little bit off-putting. Yeah, but well, you've got to respect people's space too. So if you're yes. a vapor, you don't just sit beside someone. And, and vape all over them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but some of them do have a pleasant odour. Oh. At least that's one thing. You know, you can get all, all types of flavours. You know, you can get tangerine and, you know, like mm. coffee and cream and everything. Um, I so. have vanilla at the moment. Oh, yeah, there you go. Nice. Exactly, exactly. So you got none of that horrible cigarette breath either, yes. which is, um, you know, socially very bad. Oh yes, you can, you can smell it on oh. people's clothing. It's, and, and I don't think, you know, a lot of the young mothers that uh, when I was at Plunkett, I don't think they realised the amount of um, smell that was on their clothing, mm-hmm. and and then they're holding their baby, breastfeeding their baby, holding their baby. Yeah. So we'd have to talk about putting on a, a jacket when you're smoking. So that when you do, you know, so that sort of inhibits the smoke from getting into your clothes. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there were a lot of educational things that we yeah. were, information that we were giving to them. Well, one would expect the chemicals that are in a cigarette would just be like the chemicals in, in pee. So it would uh, still absorb into everything mm. and be, be an ongoing mm. danger. Um, would you like to see organisations like Plunkett? Uh, who you've worked for and um, you know the hospital actively promote these to smoking uh, women that are pregnant uh, that that smoke Oh, well, yes, I think, you know, the midwives um, should be on to that. Yeah. And they certainly would be on to talking to these mothers about the stopping smoking. So that could be part and parcel mm-hmm. and could be something that they could, a choice that they could make to maybe, do that as well. Maybe a subsidy as well um, um, to help them yes, get into it. Although, yes. I mean, it costs $80 for a pouch these days anyway. So maybe that if they can afford to buy cigarettes, they can probably afford to buy a vape. Yes, but then you don't know what the family's missing out on yeah, yeah, when yeah. they're spending the money on that's, those cigarettes. That's true. I know. Yeah. What I, I'm, well, I'm only missing out on a few more pints, to be honest. So it's probably <laughs> <laughs> one addiction for another. Uh, not quite. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll bring uh, John and, and uh, Phil into this too, just quickly. We've got about five minutes left. Um, your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, um, at the moment we have an absurd situation where uh, the selling of uh, e-cigarettes and the vape liquid is actually illegal. Yep. So when I bought, went and bought my uh, e-cigarette from um, Vaporium, yes. uh, I had to sign a document pretending that I, I, I believe that um, I'm agreeing for them to import the product on yeah, my the behalf. Yeah, buy, the buyer's club. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, the government has realised that you know, we can't carry on with the current situation we've got either they um, uh, prohibit the sale of um, e-cigarettes or they liberalise the law so they've decided to legalise and and I think that's a great move yeah, and I think they're r- relying on current scientific research, which in- it indicates that e-cigarettes are um, a lot healthier than smoking normal cigarettes, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, yeah, that e-cigarettes um, can possibly be used as a um, a way of, of getting people off nicotine addiction. Or if, if people stay addicted to nicotine, then at least they're using a product that is safer and doesn't have the same concerns over incre- increasing rates of cancer, etc. Yeah. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) That was a blunt stop. Um, I think it's a great move. Mm. I think it's uh, also a good move that they're going to have it more accessible, so say in dairies. Mm. Uh, For one, um, when you get rid of um, cigarettes out of dairies, um, they're going to lose a big revenue stream. Cigarettes aren't a revenue stream, very small markup on cigarettes. Mm. Um, But um, people come in when they buy cigarettes, they buy other stuff, and you know. Sure. You know, so it's. It's it's not fair. Um, they're legally allowed to sell them, so it's kind of hard. Wouldn't be that fair to take away a big part of their income. To be no, honest, you know, these no. are just as uh, uh, you know, my family has a shop, so of course I'm going to say these things. Uh, Jumbo Dairy, go there, great ice creams. Uh, <laughs> I think I think one problem though is that. Uh, some of the hostilities to smoking goes beyond a sort of a science research approach. So we know, yeah, we know smoking is bad for us, and that it uh, raises a whole lot of um, health concerns, you know, especially mm. cancer. However, people's hostility is almost taken on a semi-religious, ideological nature. Usually, ex-smokers, to be honest. Yes, yes, who are very evangelical. <laughs> yeah, they are. It was interesting when I put up on Facebook that I had bought a uh, e-cigarette. Yeah, it was a number of friends who were ex-smokers who sort of yeah were quite literally outraged, literally outraged that I'd be taking up this addictive habit because um, I've never um, generally smoked. I'm not addicted to nicotine. I just yeah bought it to stir things up a bit. You know, so <laughs> That's just what you do. Uh, it's interesting, you know, when you talk about... Bring them up. <laughs> I'm not going to even talk about what John's doing. Um, but, you know, when I'm travelling on a bus to Christchurch, I'm always scared that someone's going to sit next to me who's had a cigarette because I get this absolute nausea yeah. Um, yeah. from that smell. Mm. And when I see someone smoking al- along the street, I cross the road. Now, it's not that I don't like the person. I cannot bear the smell. Oh, fair enough. And I see the thing is, like, as a smoker, I can't even. Re- I don't even realise that. I that smell. is the problem. I, I have no idea, and I probably um, like because I sometimes I can smell smokers myself, like ones that just like real stale. Yeah. On, and I'm like, oh, that's bad. And then I think, fuck, is that me? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably me. Um, so yeah, I'm, for, for for many reasons, uh, I have to stop. I Me and my partner have been trying to stop for a long time, and we've been looking at getting a vape for a long time. We have them from time to time as well. But this is there's a just qu- quickly I'll, I'll, I'll mention there is a stigma around e-cigarettes like people you know if we talked about this before 
um, you know, people think they look silly. Um, people mm. give vapors a, a lot of crap, including I give vapors cheek all the time, you know. Mm. But it's all right, it's only cheek and, and good fun humor. Um, but maybe that, that needs to s stop, and I need to stop that because, uh, for the most part, it's probably saving people's lives, and that's what it's all about. Mm. That's exactly what it's all about. It's a, it's a serious thing. It's saving people's life, and in the long run, it's going to save the country money. Um, although they are making a lot of bank right now uh, from tax, um, but that's costing a lot more um, to uh, with the people in the hospital. Well, it's arguable because if people, I mean, it sounds a bit callous, but if people uh, as heavy smokers die earlier, the government's actually saving a lot of money due yeah. to not having to pay out superannuation, <laughs> etc. I'm not saying that's a good thing, I'm just saying that, that that's true. The, the, the argument that uh, uh, it's costing the state a lot of money uh, or the, the, the health related concerns around smoking isn't necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. well, look, look, um, more mouldy and Pacific under smoke than uh, Pakeha and, mm. uh, and whatnot, and they are dying at a younger rate than. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that is probably part of the problem. Mm. Yeah, so and looking at that as well, we'll have, all have longer lives and uh, get that money we so deserve after mm. working our asses off for so long. Uh, except for myself, I work till I'm 80 because I sit down all day and I probably should. Uh, Alright, thank you all for coming <laughs> in. We didn't get it to hit on hit and run, um, but oh well, um, we'll have more chat. I've talked about it all week, to be honest, uh, and I'll continue to talk about it until we uh, get a goddamn insight on what really happened. Um, thank you all for coming in, um, especially you, Jill. Lovely thank to meet you. you. Thank you Fine. so much. Um,